0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today, we're speaking with Matt Hollis. He's the co founder and president of Elitis. Elitis is a managed service provider, and they help businesses manage their environmental services. Matthew, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure.
0: So, what is a mission statement?
1: So our goal at Elitis is to waste nothing. And we really feel that that kind of stems in three buckets, right? So the first being the talent of people, right? Our people as well as our clients' people. We want to save as much of that talent and time as possible. Uh, the second is the resources of our environment. And so we want to do everything that we possibly can uh, to save those limited and precious resources that we have. And then, of course, the third is dollars in budgets. You know, we, we work really, really hard to create a savings and create a cost benefit uh, for all of the companies that we work with.
0: Awesome. And that's uh, really important when you're running a company is the bottom line. And what I found talking to some different uh, sustainability um, people who make recommendations, they can often save companies money by turning them more sustainable, which I think is really, really cool and awesome to learn about. So you guys have some really cool facts on your website. So there have been a lot of trees that you guys have saved (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a hundred percent true, you know one of the things that we get to do that's fun on our side of the business is we get to look at at the impact that we're having with our clients in aggregate, right, and we can convert that into all kinds of fun. Uh, facts, one of which is tree safe, you know, So we take a look at how much waste in, in volume of yards or, or weight as far as tons, uh, were we able to help divert from the landfill? And then what does that equate to according to the EPA uh, in trees saved? And so that's one of the metrics that we use internally to get excited about.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. And uh, we have to be careful too with trade offs. So on the web, I'm sorry, on the podcast, we focus a lot about getting away from plastic and unnecessary plastic, but we also have to make sure that we protect our forests, because sometimes if you switch from plastic to paper, uh, it can cause issues, right? We want to make sure our forests are healthy. So, um, it's good to save in, in that aspect too. So uh, how much money has Elitist uh, managed to save for companies? Do you have those figures as well?
1: You know, we have saved our customers millions of dollars. It's, I wish I could come up with the exact number. Uh, I don't want to say that we've lost track, but we also don't, uh, we also don't disclose that one hundred percent.
0: Uh huh. So, and and that's in terms of making them more sustainable, as well, right?
1: Correct. So a lot of, a lot of what we're doing is is we're we're helping the customers understand. What's in your waste stream? What is it that you're generating? And then how can we help you manage that the best way possible? I'm a firm believer that prevention is the best way to resolve or become more sustainable. And so, you know, if we can prevent the waste from happening in the first place, then that's where you're going to get the biggest cost benefit as well. And so then, starting to track from that standpoint all the way down to what? What about the items that you can't prevent? How can you handle those more responsibly? Not only from a cost perspective, but from an environmental perspective, and working through those trade-offs. Exactly like you said, it's not just about replacement. You know, where you're replacing one thing with something else, and then not mm-hmm. understanding maybe the domino effect that that has on the environment. Mm-hmm. But also looking at you know what what can you do to um, to to do something that's going to be better in the long run. So instead of a paper cup or a plastic cup, you know, how about just looking at a, a reusable cup, right? That's maybe ceramic or maybe glass or something to that nature.
0: Yeah, which I think is totally the answer. And I know I've said this in other episodes, but I wish that coffee shops would return to asking for Hero to go because it would save a lot of cups, a lot of garbage cups, because a lot of people are sitting down and they could have one of those ceramic cups, right? But you don't know if you don't ask, so they get garbage cups and they sit down and then it goes in the garbage, right? So there's... Right. Um,
1: I- well, and, and you know, so in, and on such a small scale, like we found that internally at our office as we went on this quest to, to work, to get to zero waste is, 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 is why not, what happened to mugs, you know? Like, yeah. And, 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 and I think there was, you know, I don't know, I won't say the exact brand name, but there was a brand of coffee shop that there for a while. And I still think they do give the discount if you had your own reusable coffee mug. So w- w- let's try to get back to that, right? Like show some incentives for trying to get away from that way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Canada, we have a company, we have a big coffee chain that does give a discount and then we have a giant coffee chain that doesn't. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) and sometimes they're right across the street from each other. So you can kind of pick and choose, I guess, if you do have your your travel mug. And another thing you do is you save a lot of time for companies, which is cool because usually we just focus on waste, you know, Time is a big one too because if you're just wasting your time doing things, you won't have time for other good things or making money and stuff like that. So, can you give an example or discuss it all about how you would save somebody time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so we as a company we we help these large enterprises manage their uh, garbage programs, right, from coast to coast in every aspect. And so what I tell them is, like, let's pick on a restaurant. You know, I, I don't know how to run a restaurant. I don't know how to make or sell food. Like, that's just not yeah. my business. Right? But we do know how to manage garbage programs. We do know how to manage haulers and, and, and how to assist in that manner. So rather than having the customer staff spending all the time auditing the invoices, negotiating the contracts, handling all the missed pickups, the extra pickups, the, the minutiae of vendor management, let us handle all of that, right, to give them the time back so that they can start looking at the data that we're producing to be able to get more strategic and have more of an impact on their their mission to waste nothing in all aspects, right? You know, so at the end of the day, like when I produce data that says, here's how many pounds per, you know, transaction you guys created inside your facility of waste, you know, I, and here's the benchmark that shows all your facilities against each other so you can see where they rank, I, I'm not going to be able to look to that or, you know, to look inside their facility and say, and here's the next step that you need to do that's proprietary to your business. But they can, right? And so let us mm-hmm. handle all of the minutiae and then let them handle all of the strategic process changes.
0: So I've seen that come up before in a local business. They have packaging that can't be recycled. And I've mentioned it to them and they're like, you know, we're in the business of producing food. Like we are not package specialists and they're so busy and they make wonderful food, but packaging isn't their, their expertise, right? So it's really good to have these companies that can come and do that for them. And I suppose you could, like you would come in, let's say if you're coming to help that company and you would make all these recommendations and then you would go. So they would just kind of pay you once sort of thing and then kind of fix them forever a little bit. Is that how it works?
1: yeah no typically we're we're coming in on a on a management contract, and so mm-hmm. our goal is is to be managing the waste program from procurement to payment on a on a long term. Uh, agreement nature. We don't do a lot of waste stream audits where we'll come in and okay. do a more of a consultative approach where we dive in, we give them some recommendations and we leave. You know, a lot of what we're trying to do is, is come in, partner with the customer, create an extension of their internal operations, and then help them make adjustments and, and show that those adjustments are working, right? So it's not mm-hmm. just one thing to say, hey, let's, you know, find an outlet for that styrofoam and we think it's going to save you, you know, a thousand dollars a store by doing it, right? It's then helping, walking alongside them to implement it, and mm-hmm. then verifying that it did save what we set out to save so that we can move on to the next initiative and build that level of trust.
0: Oh, good. So it's more ongoing, more so than a consultancy. Correct. Okay, awesome. And what types of businesses do you work with? Do you have an example of of a, a type of company that would use your service?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we've, we strategically, a few years back, started to focus on commercial kitchens and the reason that we that we really started to look at that is is that waste is a very sensitive topic in commercial kitchens so it's not just a concern of what can we do from the bottom line and what can we do from a you know environmental perspective but it's a sanitation concern as well and so for them it's it's a very important category to look at but it's also extremely complex. So, you know, think about a restaurant, you know, restaurants and grocery stores are a couple of our biggest industry uh, segments. And so when you think about a restaurant and how their kitchen operations are working, you know, their, their two biggest costs are labor and food, right? And so once you start looking at at those as the two biggest cost items, there's wasted time, which is going to save labor. And then there's, um, you know, wasted food, which is going to save, you know, the, the food cost. And so we can really make a big impact there. But but it's widespread stemming into grease, oils, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different types and categories of waste than just your standard packaging, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kitchens have a lot of uh, different regulations and stuff that they have to follow, right? So
1: Absolutely.
0: that's something I hear about too is, oh, it's not sanitary if you are reusing things. And that's a big reason why people like the single-use plastic because it's sanitary. So I guess that would be a, a big challenge um, in terms of, of kitchens. Let's say a company comes to you and they want to go zero waste. Are there some standard steps that maybe you could give me and my listeners to sort of what you would recommend or how you would work with them on an ongoing basis to get them to zero waste?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The very first thing that we do is we come in and establish a baseline or a benchmark. So where are you today? And it's always surprising how how far along companies are, right? So a lot of times they're not giving themselves credit for everything that they do. So, for example, you know, prevention is a big thing in zero waste, right? So, you know, they don't necessarily give themselves credit for the prevention of waste that they've been doing. And then they also don't give themselves credit for the ancillary diversion things that they might be doing, uh, you know, as well. And so the very first thing that we do is we come in and we benchmark. Here's where you guys are today. Uh, and then the next thing that we do is, is we dive into what's going to landfill or, 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 yeah, what's going to landfill or ultimately being thrown out. And we do a study on their waste stream to basically say, this is what it's made up of. And this is what the causes are of all of that waste. And then we start to go for the low hanging fruit first, right? It's always that last mile or that last few percent that is the hardest, uh, but you want to pick up as much momentum as quickly as possible uh, in order to show some wins, get people excited, and, and keep moving them down that Uh, Trained, And then it's an iterative process, right? So you're going to keep working through the prevention, you're going to keep working through the recycling, you're going to keep working through the reuse, and then keep doing the waste stream audits to come back and say, hey, here's where we were year over year. And this is where our goal is. And this is what we're doing to achieve.
0: So will you do stages for them? Like, let's say you find that the styrofoam... Could totally be avoided if we switch to a new product, but it might, you know, cost them a bit more. So maybe you have a way of getting rid of half of the styrofoam. Like, do you have these little increments that businesses can choose from?
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that we other work, that we also work with them is, again, we want to be an extension of our clients' organizations. So, again, we'll take a look at purchasing options with them. We we ourselves do not procure the styrofoam cups or the packaging or whatnot, but we can help them run the return on investment. That's what it's about for a lot of customers is understanding what that return on investment is. And the other thing that we'll work with them is is we'll say, hey, you know, maybe we can pull this particular thing like like in a in a commercial kitchen, a great example is food donation, right? So maybe we can take that food that is no longer saleable but is still edible, and we can divert it to a food bank via several of the great partners in the US that can help with that. And in doing so, not only did you avoid paying disposal on it, which is going to create a saving. There's a tax credit savings that you're going to get, right, oh, really? or a tax offset saving. Cool. And so that's a double net effect. So now let's take that money and rather than taking all of it and putting it to the bottom line, let's take a portion of it and put it towards that styrofoam that we know is going to cost a little bit more, but it's going to help us further this goal.
0: Have you worked with startups before? Or is this more, I feel like really big companies would want to work with you where they have like, a, like really big kind of issues? to deal with
1: yeah so we are, we ourselves you know we have a size limitation unfortunately and we don't typically work with very small entities and a lot of that comes down to the cost for us to run the program and and so un- unfortunately while i wish it wasn't that way uh you know the our programs tend to to lend themselves to companies that have very large operations and have Uh, some budgets in order to, you know, compensate for that.
0: Yeah. So I guess my next question, I don't know if you'd be able to answer then because you're used to working with big companies, but from someone who works with big companies, if someone is starting their own company and they want to go zero waste or limit their waste, do you have any recommendations for yeah, that so, are? you know, okay. we
1: ourselves, I would consider ourselves, you know, a medium-sized business, so to speak, but we were a small company at one point in time, and so we understand the challenges, and, and what I would say is it's a lot easier to get it right from the start than it is to retroactively cause change, and the smaller mm-hmm. you are, the more nimble you are, the easier it is to make adjustments. Then, when you get to the size of a lot of our clients, where it becomes a very complex process uh, to drive change in an organization of that size. and so we're we're personally, I'm a large advocate for small businesses to really take a look at it from the onset and try to to save that money from the beginning. I mean, if you can think about um, like the one-off restaurant, right? If they can get down the food donation and they can get down the packaging recycling and they can get down all of that, right from the get-go, then they're saving themselves years of wasted resources in time, expense, and environmental right out of the gate. And then multiply that as they grow across all of their locations, and the impact is huge.
0: Mm -hmm. And we've heard this once before. So if you're listening and you remember the episode with Swedish stockings, so they're the ones who take fishnets from the ocean, they take the polymide out, and they turn them into stockings, like to wear on your legs. And it's a great business model. You can recycle them when you're done, and then they're turned into – Like containers for restaurant grease. So it's a very cool process, but she says the same thing. So when you're starting, you want to start lean and you want to start without waste and start right away. And then that makes me think of, let's say we bought this factory, you know, and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars or however much, and then it's not sustainable. So then you have to go and buy new factory equipment. Like that's going to cost you so much money. So that's how I see it in terms of what you're saying is like, just make sure you start out sustainable. Um, so that you don't have to deal with the waste problems later, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: So what is Winstream? I see that on your website, Winstream? Yeah. So
1: Winstream is the web-based software platform that we use. So, so we, as it comes to me, at our core, are truly a technology or software firm. And we've developed this web-based platform that manages these programs from procurement to payment. And and that includes everything in between, from negotiating contracts and sourcing services for the strange, unique, and weird, right, to your mainstream garbage, as well as all of the equipment, everything that goes into that, and then all of the invoicing, the billing, the service resolution, the diversion tracking, the budgeting, the forecasting, you know, the whole nine yards. And so really, we couldn't do what we do without that platform.
0: Very cool. And so tech, I think, is a very important part of waste. Uh, we've seen this in a couple other episodes that you can use it to, to, um, to reduce waste, I guess. And will tech be a key feature of managing waste in the future? Like, do you see that this is going to really take over?
1: Yes, 100%. It's, it's fascinating to watch. Europe compared to the United States and how they handle trash versus how we handle trash and how some of those technologies that have been over there for a while are now coming to the United States and how we're able to integrate those and use those. The first thing that comes to my mind is dumpster sensors, you know? So, I mean, for the longest time, the United States waste industry has not had any type of sensor for a dumpster to tell you how full it is or when it gets picked up or if the pickup was missed or anything of that nature, or they even have sensors that'll take photographs now to tell you exactly what was in the dumpster. And so we're seeing a wave of companies now that are coming out with these technologies that, you know, can help customers understand all everything that's in their garbage. And that's just one small piece of the business that we're seeing technology create a lot of efficiency uh, and and a lot of education and data around. And I think as we continue to watch the next three, five, 10 years, we're going to see even more of that increase. And that's not just the waste industry. That's widespread.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I find it very exciting. I I love tech. So <laughs> I know some people are like, oh, don't go to the, the automated checkout. You know, it might cost someone a job. But I think that there are still lots of jobs out there when you can still have tech, right? I think that there's a good mix and balance. So I look forward to it. Um,
1: yeah, you know, I think – one of the things that we've seen is, you know, is that we've we've had some resistance in some areas where we've come in and it was like, oh, well, then what are these people going to do? And and the reality is, is that they're going to get more strategic, you know, and we can help them find ways to be, to get there. Right. You know, so we knock on wood, have never replaced a job. Uh, if anything, we've made Good. the people that, that we partner with and that we work for more powerful in their job. And I think Good. that that uh, that's really you know, been helpful.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, it's funny you're talking about, like, communicating with people kind of in real time about what goes in their garbage or what doesn't. It's funny because at my house we have recycling trucks, and if you do something wrong, they take out a piece of paper. And it's like a sticky, and they stick it on your blue bin, and they put a check by, like, whatever you've done wrong. (laughs) And then you get out there, you're like, oh, no, something's been left. Oh, and then you look at the paper, and then it's there. So it's kind of this, like (laughs) – like rude way I guess of of saying something <laughs> but yeah tech would maybe help but with it's that. a sec- right yeah yeah sometimes it leaves a bit to the imagination you're like i don't understand why they didn't take you know because the paper only has like a few options so sometimes you're kind of left wondering um it'll be interesting to see if tech comes to our area and makes it a little bit more clear and you know what else is weird is in our area the recycling company has the worst review on google that i've ever seen because people get so frustrated and they get frustrated because of the communication aspect because they don't know a lot of the times why they're their recycling hasn't been picked up, you know, because they don't they don't really understand sure. by that sheet. And so they'll just go on Google and be like, one star review, you know, you guys stuck. And <laughs> it's kinda not fair to the company because they're doing really great things. But yeah, I can I can definitely see where tech would be more precise and maybe communicate in a better way, I guess. Um so yeah, I do look forward well, to it. Well and I think
1: the the other thing that that we're seeing is, is you know, that that hits on something that is a big misnomer in the industry, right? I mean, there's there's just so little standardization in recycling, not just from, you know, one county to the next, but from one state to the next, and so it makes mm-hmm. it really difficult for customers to understand like at a base level what is and is not recyclable because it's so dependent on the material recovery facility that that vendor is using and the geographic area and what's being required at the time. And so, and labeling Mm -hmm. is not standardized, right? So, I mean, you can walk into this restaurant and right next door is a different restaurant and they're going to tell you that different things are recyclable when. And I mean, so it just makes it really, really confusing for the consumer. And one of the things that we've been advocating over the next few years that we're hoping will come to fruition is more standardized labeling. A lot of the work Mm -hmm. that Recycle Across America is doing and some of these other organizations are doing to try and help consumers truly understand what is and is not, you know, recyclable at a base level.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was at a restaurant the other day and I watched some people scrape off all their food scraps into a bucket clearly labeled glass. (laughs) And I was like, no, it's oh. going to get contaminated. <laughs> <You just laughs> but I didn't contaminated really, the whole thing. Right? <laughs> and I'm just like, I didn't want to say anything. They were like these big guys, you know, <laughs> just sitting there like <laughs> the recycling nerd. Like, don't say anything, but kind of want to <laughs> You're
1: right. It's like, how do we prevent this from happening?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank goodness that there's people like you out there that are, are doing this, you know, for us and for the companies that we that we like and and that sort of thing. And is your building – Is it operating zero waste, like your office building, I guess?
1: So, yeah, we as a company are working on our certification. We've not been certified yet. We believe that we're there, uh, but we're walking through the official process with the U.S. Green Building Council and the True Zero Waste uh, program to begin that certification process. But it's been a long journey for us. Uh, you know, we as an organization said that, hey, if we're going to go out there and tell our customers that they need to go to zero waste, then we've got to walk the walk and practice what we preach. And yeah. so we really went on this really long journey to try and understand what was in our waste stream and how we could make some changes and effects uh, to to get to zero waste.
0: Awesome. Do you know any of the changes that you made or do you have any examples of uh, oh,
1: absolutely. Of cool. So I, it was funny, you know, when we first um, moved into, our, so we, we obtained a new building in 2016. It's 10,000 square feet. We've got about 45 people. And, wow. and so we said, okay, you know, we, we want to go to zero waste. You know, so the very first thing that we did. Is we said, okay, let's try and understand what's in our waste stream, Like just like what we talk about with all of our clients, right? Let's go ahead and benchmark it and let's understand it. And the biggest contributor to our waste stream was K-cups, Keurig cups, oh, you know, yeah. and I, and I, it just never dawned on us, right? But we're like, oh my gosh, you know, there's just such a huge volume of these and, and there was no way to recycle them or no way to really, unless you're like taking a razor blade and like opening them up and like getting rid of the grain. So we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So we switched from the Keurig machine to an industrial coffee pot. We got everybody to to align as best as possible onto which brand of coffee we would buy as a company and and we would consume. And so then we started to realize, okay, now the next biggest thing in the waste stream is the grounds, right? So we started a composting program and educated the employees on the fact that the grounds and the filters can be composted. And then we realized, oh, hey, the next biggest thing in the waste stream is the cups.
0: (laughs) <laughs> so then it was
1: like, okay, this year's company gift is like a little packet um, for sustainability, which includes a, you know, water mug and a coffee mug and reusable straws and things like that to eliminate all of that single-use plastic. And then we realized, oh, it's our company lunch and our, our parties now. And so then we bought all reusable plates and all reusable silverware and all reusable cups. And, you know, this all of those types of things have paid for themselves. Um, you know, time and time again, if we're not buying the disposal and we're not Paying for that disposal of all of that waste, and oh, uh, that was that was probably the biggest evolution. We are also knock on wood, in a, I would say ninety five percent paperless office, and it took an investment, right? We had to invest in PDF editing software, we had to invest in signature software, we had to invest in mm-hmm. scanning equipment, uh, you know, etc. But we've gotten to the point where there really is no need to print anything anymore
0: wow. um,
1: in our offices, which has substantially reduced a, a large amount of the waste.
0: That That's amazing. That's so good to hear. And I I always wonder about that, like, where is that line that crosses where you save money by getting rid of the disposable cups and plates and whatever, you know, if you just buy a set of plates. And we had someone on the show before who said they went to the Salvation Army and bought them for their office, like forks and knives. So you have you can you can do it super cheap, or you can go get them fancy, like it depends on how much you want to spend. But eventually, those plates and cups are going to save you money, even though buying plastic plates is cheap. Like, we know that, but there's got to be a point at some point, right?
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, and for us, you know, we did a lot of um, sale hunting, like, you know, after – after summer, you know, when they were getting rid of a certain line of product or whatever. Okay. Well, let's go buy all the plates from there. Right. And, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So we, we were, I mean, we're small, smaller to medium sized company. So we were pretty scrappy in how we, uh, <laughs> it. but even so on a, on a grand scale, there still is a payback, you know, and, and you just have to take a look at the numbers and run the math to make sure you're doing what's right for your business.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, Matt, I want to talk about you a little bit, because it's very cool that you've started this awesome company. And did you say 45 employees?
1: Yeah, that's
0: correct. That's amazing. So what is your background?
1: Yeah. So my degree is mechanical engineering. I was going to school to be an engineer and I was a couple years in and very quickly realized that I don't want to build bridges or design buildings and that most of what I was building and designing was failing, you know, in prototype methods, <laughs> not, not, in, not in real methods. And, and I just was like, man, you know, I really just don't like this. And at the time I was working for a large garbage hauler. And so I was I'm learning a lot about the waste industry and and understanding it. And so, you know, we founded the company right out of college uh, and launched it for waste haulers to try and create efficiency in their process. I wish I could say that, you know, we started as an environmental company and we wanted to save the planet. It's just not true. We started as an outsourcing and efficiency organization and a software company Mm -hmm. and slowly but surely grew to the point where, uh, you know, our customers, we started handling their garbage programs coast to coast for, you know, very large chains in several different industry categories. And at the same time we were learning and and managing these programs was the same time that, you know, the sustainability movement, I guess, so to speak, really started to get some traction. And so our customers started asking a lot of questions and they started saying, well, hey, what about this? Can you produce a report that tells us this? And what about this? And so we just we made the investment to become experts in the field as best as we could. Same with myself, and you know, really started to realize that my passion really is about wasting nothing, and and that it's not just in in the company's perspective, but on my personal side as well. And that even though we didn't start as an environmental business, we really have always been uh, about saving time and, and talent as an efficiency company. And so this is uh, I, so I founded the company while I was in college. It's the um, only job outside of. The waste industry one that I held while I was putting myself through school uh, to do that, and I've been here ever since.
0: Oh, good for you! That's hard to put yourself through university. Well, isn't that neat that you you didn't start out as you know interested in sustainability? Because a lot of people in positions like you, they do start out that way. But I know fashion designer Zero Waste Daniel. He was like, I didn't even know that this was good for the environment. He was just trying to save all these these clothing scraps and reuse them, right? But he didn't really think about it from the environmental perspective at first, you know, but but I think that there's some of us who are frugal and there's some of us who just don't like to waste time and we don't like to waste money and trees, right? Like we were talking about in the beginning. Uh, so it all kind of comes together, right? And it's, it's very cool what you're doing. So thank you very much, Matt, for talking to us. Well, I today.
1: appreciate it. And, and again, I can't take the credit. You know, we've got a Big team and a lot of great partners and clients that help us get it done. And if it weren't for them, then we couldn't make the impacts that we're making. There's absolutely no doubt.
0: When did you start the, the company? Uh, 2007. Wow. Okay. Awesome. So it's been around a little while, and uh, this is just great. So I, uh, I wish you the best of luck going forward. And uh, thank you. Thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the time.
0: That was Matt Hollis, co founder and president of Elitis. Did you know you can now find our episodes on YouTube? If you have a YouTube account, please like, subscribe, and comment on there. And if you haven't given us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, please do so. It helps the algorithms push our show up in search results, which means more people will discover the show and more zero-waste solutions will be shared around the world from our amazing guests that we've had on the show. I'm a volunteer at my local college radio station, and I don't make very much money So if you have a few bucks to spare each month, you can sign up and be a patron on Podbean There's a little reward button you can click on there I'm also on patreon But I want to keep all my content free for everyone instead of putting it behind a paywall so You also can donate directly on the show's website zerowastecountdown.com. We are a registered nonprofit in Canada called the zero waste countdown initiative Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks to our listeners in America, Canada, Germany, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Spain, and wherever else you're tuning in from. Together, we're going to change the world. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.